Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will continue our discussion with Most Worshipful Brother Steve Martin, Grandmaster of Masons in Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have our usual hosts. We have, I'm Matt Apple, and I'm a mason here in Mill Creek Lodge in Mount Lock Terrace, Washington. We have very worshipful David Colbeth from King Solomon Lodge in, in Auburn, Washington. Uh, Worship Brother Stephen Chung from Prince Charles 153 in Kelowna, British Columbia. And Jared Dunham from Penticton 147 in Penticton, British Columbia. And we have and we have our guest of honor here, um, most worship brother Steve Martin, who's a Grand Master of Masons in Washington for about a month now. Uh, so first of all, welcome back, uh, most worshipful. It's good to have you here, sir. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. And uh, so last last episode, we sort of discussed your um, Masonic history, if you will. Your your how you joined and how you became Grandmaster. So now that you are Grandmaster, uh, well, first of all, I encourage our listeners to go to the Grand Lodge of Washington webpage, uh, freemason-wa.org. And there's a, in the Grand Lodge officers section is a copy of, is this the, this is the address you gave at, at your installation, correct? As Grandmaster? Yep. So, oh, oh I've just been informed that I missed uh, worship for Brother Jared's title. I apologize, sir. So, uh, I'm sure he's he's all all grumpy about it. Um, but anyway, so th this is uh, your uh, address from from your installation at Grand Lodge, which um, was well received and has a whole bunch of um, essentially things you'd like to do in your year and things you'd like to see happen with masonry uh, in Washington. So, I guess just to sort of throw it out there as a broad question, what what sort of things do you envision your your year entailing for the for Grand Lodge and for masonry here? Well, I think, uh, you know, in the, the last episode, Stephen talked about uh, doing memory work with the the new Masons or the, or the, the seekers, you know, um, and, and I think that's important. I think, you know, the, our ritual, everything that we learn, everything that we do, you can tie it back to our ritual, my opinion. There, there, there is no greater text for Masonry than our ritual. Um, and, and so I, I try very hard with my memory work to do good ritual and, you know, back to the rainbow girls. I got that from the rainbow girls cause they do great ritual. And so I've always tried to do really good ritual. So I'm really pushing ritual and we have in, in Washington, we have the proficiency in lodge management where in order to get proficiency in lodge management, you have to be able to open and close on all three degrees as the worshipful master and call down, resume labor, uh, you know, all of that. And then we have the ritual proficiency, which is where, you know, everything cover to cover in the ritual. And there's nothing in between. There's no incentive to go from proficiency in lodge management to ritual proficiency. So I started a program this year when my grand lecturer that kind of 
borrowed from Idaho and a couple of other Grand Lodges and tailored to our Grand Lodge, where your first step is proficiency in lodge management. Your second step is what I'm calling the warden certificate. And in order to get the warden certificate, you have to be able to open and close on all three degrees from every chair in the lodge. Then you have your master certificate. To get the master certificate, you have to be able to do all of that. Plus, you have to start learning from the, uh, and everything is awarded a point value. You have to start learning the degrees. And in order to get the master's certificate, you have to get a certain amount of points, plus at least one of the lectures from one of the degrees. And then you have the proficiency in all of the work. And it's, my thought is kind of building up to being proficient in everything, but having those stepping stones where we're getting people, getting men to learn the ritual and do it well. And my, my hope is right now I'm tracking it all in a spreadsheet. My hope is at some point we get it into our database so that if, you know, down in the Vancouver area, they're doing a degree and they don't have anybody in their lodge that can do the lecture, they can go to the, the database and bring up a list of everybody that can do the lecture and start going through that list and getting somebody to come help them with their degree. So that's one of the things that I'm really pushing is, is learning our ritual and doing it well. And uh, while to clarify too, isn't the current proficiency in the work is only good for what, three years, then they have to take it Correct. again. Correct. But depending on how many errors they get, I guess, right. If, if they have, if there have multiple errors, they get it for one year and fewer errors, it's two years. Or if they're excellent, perfect, it's three years or something. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and go ahead. <laughs> and, and and one of you, you did something special for what we would say a fan of our show or a recent often guest, most worshipful Jim Mendoza, who's been on the show many, many times with us and uh, did a great series called the blunders of masonry a couple of seasons ago. If you ever get a chance to go back and listen to that, it's a great series that he put together for us, but you did something special for him. And would you like to talk about so, that? So, yeah. So if you, what what I've got in my program is if you, if you get all of the work, um, it's, it's good for three years. And if you do it for three consecutive three-year cycles, then you're awarded the uh, Lifetime Ritual, Lifetime Excellence and Ritual Award. So essentially for nine years, you're perfect in the ritual from cover to cover. You get the Lifetime Ritual Excellence Award. And Jim Mendoza, to, to my knowledge, and I don't remember exactly, but I believe he has been proficient in cover to cover for 18 years. And so I awarded him the first uh, Lifetime Excellence and Ritual Award. So he is our first recipient of that award. That's amazing. 18 years proficient, cover to cover. I mean, I, I just from the short time I've gotten to know the man through our experiences, uh, that's just amazing. Uh, yeah. uh, congrats go out to him. I, uh, I kind of wish we had something like that um, in, here in BC. We don't have, as far as I know, any of those programs. Right, because 
it would be, um, well, you guys also have ritual competitions that uh, yeah. we don't have, right? Which I think now that would be something that would, I, I believe anyways, uh, um, get guys to work harder on it. Right. Yep. So Jared, Jared, he speaks. God, <laughs> wait for it. I have a question. So, the idea behind the proficiency certificates is to have multiple people, multiple members in your lodge with it. Like, so you're not relying on one person, right? Well, the 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 thought process behind it, yes, that's that's a added benefit. But the thought process behind it for me is just to get guys to do their ritual and, and to give them an incentive to learn the work. Um, because, you know, there's to me, there's nothing worse than going to lodge, initiating a brand new Mason, and then having guys try to close lodge that can't do it. And they can't even read it. It's like the first time they've ever read it. And that's a horrible impression on the new initiate. And and I want to stop that. I want to I right. want to improve on that. There was and David will love this because I used him. He didn't people didn't know it was him I was using, but I used him as an example of something that he said that when you create a lodge, you must have 15 master masons, and those 15 master masons must be able to confer all three degrees from within the lodge. That's the only way that you can get a new lodge charter. Why shouldn't we strive for that for lodges that have been around for a hundred years? So I guess the, the second part of my question now is you've given the carrot. What's the stick? What happens? What happens when a lodge fails? Uh, nothing because they're failing now. So it's there, there is no requirement. Um, yet. Let's, you know, but, but there is no requirement. It's something to hopefully just take pride in, hopefully just get them to do it. Um, and, and if they don't, then they're going to continue to struggle. But, you know, my, and I even said in my, my uh, address when I talked about it is that, you know, my hope is there, there isn't a requirement today, but in five years, if you want to be master of your lodge, maybe there's a requirement that you have to have the warden certificate. In in five years, if you want to be a Grand Lodge officer, maybe there's a requirement that you have to be at least a master's certificate. So I, I wanted to introduce it and I wanted to get people interested in it and excited about it without making it a requirement or a penalty if you don't do it. Because there's nothing that would turn them away faster than penalties if they don't do it. So that was my thought process behind it, and and that's why I implemented it the way I did. We we can speak from experience based on last year's annual communication. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show my my resolution that was ruled out of order, but we tried it a few several years ago as well, just to get proficiency in lodge management as a requirement to be an officer or to be a master right. of a lodge. Just proficiency in lodge management couldn't get passed by our grand body. And so, yes, I I have accepted the idea of trying to provide more carrots and less sticks uh, for a while. Well, and hopefully, and, and hopefully the more carrots will help them. 
And and I think that the the problem with getting that resolution to pass, making it a requirement, is there there are a lot of brothers that don't want Grand Lodge telling their lodges what they have to do. You yeah. know, Grand Lodge doesn't need to be all up in my business. But everybody thinks it's a good idea unless it's Grand Lodge saying you have to do it. Then it's like, oh, no, all bets are off. And and I I understand that. But when you get into this side of the world, when you're in, you know, the executive committee, you see the benefits of it. And and it's it's not about punishment. It's not about us telling you what you have to do. It's about trying to make the fraternity better, trying to get it back to what it once was. The, the funny thing, I was modeling it off of what Canada does now in a couple other jurisdictions. It was more of a exciting event where the district deputy and any grand laws, grand officers in the area would attend their, for lack of word, better inspection of the lodge can a performance of the work. And there was no requirement. The deputy could report on it. And even if he reported bad, the grandmaster could say, oops, that's too bad and put a checkbox. He doesn't have to arrest the charter. There was nothing in there that said it was any requirements other than it will just be inspected. And the idea was going to make it a fun event, kind of like in Canada. It's a, they call it a suite. The whole suite comes out. So there's all kinds of gold colors and purple aprons and stuff, and they make it a big deal. So it kind of can it can be a fun, potentially a fun idea. I, I, I want to go back to one thing Steve said earlier about the idea of the competitions. And that was actually your idea when you were grand lecturer, right? So would you mind talking a little bit about that? Um, sure. When I was grand lecturer, we had um, the senior warden competition. And the senior warden competition was, you know, the senior warden being able to open and close as the master. Um, and they competed on who could do it best. If you were a past master, but you were going in as senior warden, you could compete, but you got an automatic deduction or something like that because you've been through it before. And I decided, again, and, and I have to go back to Rainbow because of their competition, I went to, okay, we're going to have the senior warden competition, but it's only open to first-time senior wardens. But we're also going to have a three-person team of the worshipful master, the senior warden, and the junior warden opening and closing and they're not going to know what degree. So they have to know them all. And then we're going to have uh, a lecture competition where an individual competition where you do the apron lecture, the G lecture, and I believe it was the closing charge. Um, and so that was open to any fellow craft or above because the G lecture, the fellow crafts can do and, and the apron lecture. And it was just a way, again, to, to make ritual more uh, exciting, more, more rewarding, more, you know, interesting, make people want to do the ritual. And, and the competition, you know, unfortunately, uh, my year as grand lecturer, the competition was supposed to be in March of 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we all know what happened in February of 2020. Uh, so I didn't get to do the competition. And, and the irony was when I was junior warden, one of the things I was really looking forward to as senior warden was doing the competition. And then 
our senior warden stepped out of line. So I skipped senior warden and went right to master. So I didn't get to do the competition. And then as grand lecturer, I didn't get to do the competition. And so, <laughs> but, but I changed it and I added that and, and they've done it every year since then they've done the additional competitions and, and it's, it's gone over really well. And I think that there's been some pretty good ritual come out of that. Well, I think it would, uh, it, it would definitely, um, you know, enhance the pursuit of excellence in, in our craft. Um, I know a lot of guys that do a lot of large pieces of ritual and, um, they take great pride in doing them well. Um, but I think, uh, what you guys have proposed is a, is a bigger challenge and, and, um, uh, I could see some of the guys, you know, striving for that, um, I think uh, being exceptional to know it from cover to cover, though that's that's a feat, <laughs> right? Because yeah. uh, I take my I take a lot of pride in knowing a lot of the work, but man, not cover to cover. Well, we had we had as an example, you know, of in in my lodge, we had a a brother that was raised a master mason in May, and last Tuesday we had an entered apprentice degree, and that brother gave the apron lecture and David and Matt, I don't know if, I don't know if Stephen and Jared know about, we just changed our apron lecture where we put in a whole bunch of optional stuff. Um, it like doubled the size of the lecture. And this brother that was just raised a master Mason in May gave that entire lecture with the, all of the optional and did an outstanding job at that same degree. We had a entered apprentice that was raised or that was initiated last month that gave the working tools. So, so there, there, there's interest and, and they love doing it. And they, you know, it's just, we just got to get more of that in my opinion. Cause again, I, I don't think that there is a better textbook for masonry than our standard work. Yeah. What, what a deja vu experience. We we had one of our new master masons. We said, Hey, would you we're trying again, trying to implement and include people in our degree work as well. And so he said, Hey, can we do, please do the apron lecture. And he had done his posting lectures. Amazing. And we're in practice. And all of a sudden he goes on and on and on in this apron lecture. We're all kind of looking at each other thinking, what is he doing? What is this? Some other work <laughs> he's implementing. And then we realized, Oh, that's right. There was this whole addendum added to this apron lecture and we we're like, oh my word. And we had a bunch of guys come to the degree and hadn't seen that either. And they're all like, where'd that? What's that? What's that? It was amazing. He did really great. We actually had two entered apprentice, actually, an apprentice and a fellow craft. <clears throat> Our entered apprentice did the senior steward and the fellow craft did the junior steward part in addition to working tools. And so it's been really fun, including the newest guys in all of this stuff. It's really great. Yeah, well, we do that too. We have our uh, our fellow crafts examine our entered apprentices, and our master masons examine our fellow crafts, etc., um, and do the lectures that they just received as they go through as well. It, it's a great uh, engagement tool um, for the guys that are going through their uh, their journey of the degrees at the moment. And and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but that's that's not unusual in King Solomon Lodge. That's that's kind of, I won't say expected, but expected. <laughs> we certainly try to 
include the newest guys as quickly as possible, working tools, apron, things like that. But I, I don't know of anybody that's we've ever had the entered apprentice do the stewards roles. And so it, it's been really fun and encouraging to them. And these guys are just engaging. Like, for example, that guy that was the steward as an apprentice, he had been lagging, honestly, in his posting lecture. He hadn't been engaging. And so we asked him to do the working tools. That was it. And he said, oh, I had. And so by the practice time, he had his working tools ready to go. He was on it. And he said, you know what? It gave me a deadline. It gave me something to look for and to be ready for. And I said, and I have been doing senior steward and he was junior steward. I said, well, you've seen me do junior stu- senior steward twice. Would you like to be senior steward? Do you think you can handle that too? He goes, yeah, I think I can. And so I stepped out and just was the friend of the candidate in the hallway to help them in case they needed it. And he did great. And now today he came to the rainbow installation with his daughter and his wife, and they're just engaging and really being part of masonry and, and the social side. I would agree. It's the social side, Jared. It's okay. (laughs) But it's, it's the, it, it, what I think it will help to bring people in and help them stay in. I mean, one of my best friends, Tom Crawford, good Mason, great Mason would have never thought he could do the ritual. But he, and he was also, he was a Joby dad, same idea, almost exactly the same story. He had to, if he wanted to be part of it, he had to become a Mason. And so he did that. And now he's a great ritualist. He's a great ritualist. And so uh, there's just so many stories like that and and good Mason and want to know more about Mason, want to, to, to get to know more. So I think there's different paths for different guys. Well, and I, and I, and my point was about pointing out King Solomon was, that's that's great that you guys do that and and I'm I'm thrilled for that but it's really exciting for me seeing my lodge do it because my lodge hasn't been like that seeing going around and seeing other lodges doing it that didn't do it 4 or 5 years ago it's starting to come around I think I I I think we're starting to see the beginnings of the next masonic explosion if you want to call it that you know i i truly do and 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 our senior grand warden roger said it a lot last year that there is more interest right now in masonry than there has been since the end of world war ii and we have to take advantage of that that's going back to steven's earlier question about my message you know and my my what i want to happen ritual is a big part of it but the other thing that we've got to do is you know we've my my thing is be all in. I've got my my be all in pin here. You know, it's pocket aces. Masonry is our pocket aces. We got to be all in, and we got to stop talking about needing to do things, and we have to do them. We have to get out there and do them. And you know, it's 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 up to us. Nobody else is going to do it. So you, I, I want to circle back here because, uh, and I know this might be a. a, a a good piece for Jared to chime in on this with me. Change. You changed the lecture on the apron. That's, that's ritual. You can't change the ritual. Um, uh, actually, I was going to chime in on that. Cause I'm like, where did you pick up the extra ritual? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. Cause coming from a, coming from it, a grand it, lodge that has came four from, different rituals that we work up here. It came I'm kind of curious where you guys actually picked up the extra pieces for your apron charge. So I I believe uh, 
I, I want to say it came from Ohio. Um, it was part of their, I, I could be wrong. It came from another Grand Lodge. It was part of theirs, but not part of ours. And and the way that we changed it is we took it before the body at Grand Lodge. And we had to get, I believe it was 90% to change the standard work. And we put it before the Grand Lodge. I don't think it passed the first year. The next year it had to get two thirds and it passed the second year as a carryover to add it to our standard work. Yeah, it's, wow. it's it's really beautiful actually that that's it's extensive and uh, detailed and really emphasizes the importance of the apron i really really think it's beautiful sounds like sounds like our long version apron charge very well could be it, it, could, be. it could be and and also you know there's there's another uh thing that i've seen a lot that we haven't put in our ritual but that at our installations, we do our uh, charge to the lodge, which is basically the first paragraph and the last paragraph of your address to the brethren. But a lot of times what will happen is they will do the, because it's in our standard work, they'll do the charge to the lodge. But then after the installation is completed, mm -hmm. someone will do the address to the brethren and go through the whole thing. I've seen that happen a lot at our installations. I know at uh, the Federway Lodge, Thornton of McElroy, they have a sister lodge that they had kept in touch with. And for years and years, the component, the master from U.S. would go to the Canadian installation and vice versa. And then the, the counterpart would deliver the address to the brethren in either lodge at the end after installation was over. It was a really neat program. I saw something at uh, this kind of a little segue, but... <laughs> I, I went to Washington, D.C. for the 300th anniversary of the Constitutions of Freemasonry in the Colonies. And they did something there that I had never seen before. They called it the uh, International Evening of Brotherhood, something like that. Um, they opened on the inter-apprentice degree, and every chair in the lodge spoke a different language. It was it was amazing. Nobody, I I had no idea what they were saying, but I knew exactly what they were saying. You know, it was it was just it was really cool. And I was going to try to do that here in Washington at some point during my year is try to get brothers that get enough speakers of different languages that we could do that open on the entered apprentice on and have every chair be a different language. It was amazing. That'd be interesting. I, I, I'd like to see that. That'd be pretty cool. I've, I've heard related stories, I suppose, of brothers visiting lodges in foreign countries and and different um, ways they got into lodges and stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off traffic. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I guess we're about running out of time for this episode. Uh, not to put you on the spot, or anything, Grandmaster, but are you are you able to stick around for another half hour or so, or would you rather, you know, go and see uh, your wife or something crazy like that? Uh, Actually, I, I'm going to probably have to do it another time because I do have to get up at like 4.30 and go to work in the morning. So, Ew, that sounds terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, then, we, then we'll then uh, we exhaust every minute and second we have left with you here in this, <laughs> in this one. Okay. And, All right. uh, you know, this is your opportunity to get any message you want out to uh, our listeners. Um, so we'll give you the floor and, and uh, share whatever message you want to. Uh, 
Well, for, uh, of course, all the listeners in, in Washington, don't forget, I have coming up uh, my, my gala dinner, the suit up for charity dinner that I'm doing on September 30th. That is my one big fundraiser for uh, my, my service project, which is going to be Washington Masonic Services. I chose them because they are our charity, and I think we need to support our charity. Uh, my goal is to raise $40,000 at this dinner. Um, I've got flyers. I can send information. I can provide it to you guys to put links out if you want. Um, but I need donations of uh, auction items, live auctions. We have lots of things already. We've got a week trip to Puerto Vallarta. We've got uh, a signed jersey MVP bobblehead and Sports Illustrated from Cooper Cup. Um, who was a wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. We have uh, a signed jersey from J.P. Crawford, the shortstop of the Seattle Mariners. We have uh, Adirondack chairs made out of wine barrels. Um, got lots of really cool things that we're going to be auctioning off. So that's that's the big dinner that I'm doing to raise all my money. Um, I'm planning a trip to Scotland in April of 2024. I've got everything in with the travel agent, uh, just waiting for them to do all the contracts. Um, it's a nine day trip and it includes airfare. It includes the hotel. It includes all of the tours. Um, and it's, uh, we're going to go to lodge kill winning. We're going to do a lodge in Sterling. We're going to do, um, the outlander tour. We're going to do, uh, Haunted Underground Edinburgh tour. We're going to do Roslyn Chapel. Uh, we're just going to do a, a whole bunch of things in those nine days. Everything's included for $3,500 per person based on double occupancy. Um, what else do I have coming up? Uh, those are the big ones. Open air degree, uh, the third degree that I know BC and Yukon, we usually get a big contingent come down for that Saturday, August 5th. Um, and then the next day we do the unity march in DuPont, uh, with the Prince Hall brothers. Um, so that's, that's the, the big things I got coming up. And your calendar is available out, out on the website, uh, freemason-wada.org. And so if they want to follow yeah. along kind of where you're at and what you're doing, we can go and visit and be part of that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Grandmaster. We appreciate you being here. And on behalf of Jared and Stephen and Matt and myself, thank you for joining the Working Tools Podcast. Good night. All right. Thank you. Thank you.